Kim. It's good to see you, honey. Hey, girls. Amen. How many of you have been in sessions before on prophecy and... Or how, how many of you, is there anybody here that's you re, really never been in a session that's dealing with prophecy? Anybody? Okay, Paul? Okay, great. Okay, cool. This will be good. This will be good. All right? Okay, fantastic. Hey, Jason. <laughs> Are you awake there, buddy? <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's pray, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you, God, for the richness of your word. God, we thank you, Father, for your instruction, Father, in matters of the kingdom. God, we just thank you so much for Laura this morning. And we thank you for the office that she operates in as a prophet. Father, we thank you for the uh, things that she that you have shown her. God, the things that she has operated in it for years. And God, we just we are so glad. We're so thankful that you've brought someone to us, Father, that uh that uh, they're not going to share on something they've read. They're not going to share on something that they heard someone else say. But they share it because this comes out of a place of experience and living with you, Father. And so we're grateful for that. That's 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 so uh, genuine and at times rare. So, Father, we just we ready our hearts this morning. We want to hear from you, Daddy. This morning, we just thank you so much for uh, just uh, bringing forth instruction by the Holy Spirit. And we just say, Father, we want to receive. Just say right now, Father, I want to receive from you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right. Well, Miss Laura. I'm going to just let you jump right on in, honey. No, but I have a say Hey, Marianne. Hey, honey. So he he was in danger, in dire danger of his life. Uh, you might <laughs> you might want to turn me down just a tad. I, I feel don't I, don't I sound kind of live, ultra live, <laughs> ultra live. Um, actually, I'm. I'm Y'all think it would just be horrible if I ask y'all to just move over on this side and then I won't be I'll get a crick in my neck. Let's just let's just all be on this side over here. I appreciate y'all being so kind to do this. That's that's so much better. Um
All right. Now that there are twice as many people as there were when, when Doug, when Doug asked, how many of you have never been in a prophetic class? I'm going to re-ask that question. If you've not been trained in the prophetic, would you please raise your hand? Okay. Because of the people, uh, really this class, uh, this class, is designed to be kind of an upper-level talk about the prophetic, but we don't want to scare the rest of y'all to death. So um, I'd like to just kind of make some opening remarks, just a few remarks um, about the prophetic. Um, We all know that the Lord speaks. We're charismatic, you know. We know that the Lord speaks. We know that, but we also know that, that other voices speak. So there's the voice of the Lord there's the voice of our own mind. There's scriptures that say prophets prophesying visions out of their own mind. So there's the voice of our own mind and there's the voice of the devil. Now, those three voices, what are, what's the loudest one? The mind. The voice of our own mind is the loudest voice of all. Um, the voice of the devil is the second loudest voice of all. And then the voice of the Lord... We, it's kind of a misnomer. The voice of the Lord is, um, he, he, he doesn't always speak in words, in English words. He doesn't speak. He, many, many times when the Lord is communicating, I like to, to use the word communicate rather than, rather than the, the, the Lord speaks because he, he commun- we commune with him and he communicates with us. And often that communication is just a, a, like a little leading. You know, not in your brain. This is not the seed of the Spirit. Where's the seed of the Spirit? Out of your innermost being. So I don't know why that is. I mean, you know, but, but it's out of your innermost being. And so, so many times when the Lord communicates with us, it's just a little, it's just a faint, it's a little leading. I've been prophesying as a in the office of prophet governmentally pretty much all over the world for like 30 years and generally when I know I have a word for someone it's not because the Lord says something in a voice in words to me go prophesy to that person or gives me the words that I'm going to speak he'll 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 it's kind of like you know how when the scripture jumps off the page and suddenly you know well that's kind of the way it is. It's like an, you know, you just kind of, just a faint little, oh. And then you speak, you speak by faith. I mean, when you prophesy, it's always walking on the water. It doesn't matter how many years you've been doing it because your mind is unengaged. So when you talk about the prophetic, you must understand the difference in body, soul, and spirit, you must understand that soul is the mind, will, and the emotions, and, and your mind is always thinking, always thinking, always talking. Your mind is always doing stuff, and, and you're, you're always hearing things. And so one of the hardest things, I think, in the prophetic and in the realm of the prophetic 
is to learn to discern the difference between what I'm just thinking or what I desire, and, and then I translate it into thought, and then I go, oh, that's the word of the Lord, you know, because I want it to be the word of the Lord. You know, that's one of the hardest things that there is. And so that's exactly why the scripture says, let one prophet speak and let the other judge. We're told to judge. We're told to test the spirits. We're told to, to judge and discern because no matter how famous a prophet is, no matter how many years they've been prophesying, they're human and they still miss it. And the Bible says that we prophesy in part. We prophesy in part. Everybody prophesies in part. That means that no prophet on the face of the earth has the whole counsel of God about a subject or about a person. That means that God doesn't show any prophet on the face of the earth everything about anyone. So just because a prophet gives you an accurate word and you say, oh, they read my mail, you know, just because that happens doesn't mean that they know everything about you. They only know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not like x-ray vision. Oh, yes, Lord, zoom, 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 zoom. The prophet only knows that part that the Lord gives them. And that's it. You know, so that's another reason why we don't revere prophets. We don't, you know, bow down to prophets. We don't, because, you know, they just know what God's given them. They don't, they don't, they don't know any more than that. And half the time they're not sure about that. <laughs> or more, probably more than half the time. So I want to also just, just in review for those of you that have not been in, um, in classes on the prophetic, I want to review that there are many types and levels or avenues of the prophetic. And the first one is, is the 100% accurate, and that's the Word of God. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Word made more sure, the Bible says, like a lamp shining in a dark place. So there's the Word of God that, that the Lord uses to speak to us. Secondly, there's what we call the spirit of prophecy. The Bible says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when we begin to testify of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, or Jesus, the Word, He is the Word, and Jesus is there. And so it's at that point that the Bible says all can prophesy. Little children, I mean, you know, people, anyone can prophesy. There are examples in in Samuel and in, and in the Old Testament where heathens were walking up the hill and a school of prophets came by and the heathens could prophesy because the spirit of prophecy was there. And so just because you prophesy doesn't mean you're a prophet because the Bible says everybody can prophesy. Third is the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is one of the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit and it is a gift. And the, the scripture says there is given to one a word of wisdom, another a word of knowledge, to, a, to another the gift of faith, blah, blah. And so the gift of prophecy is one of those gifts given, it says, for the common good, through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. So this is the Holy Spirit moving amongst us. Because there's a purpose, that means that someone knows, someone has a need, and then someone else knows to speak into that need 
by the Spirit. So that means that you could prophesy and never prophesy again. Because the gift just comes as it's needed. It's not always yours. So you have the gift of prophecy. Okay, I got the gift of prophecy and I'm going to always have it. No, the Spirit comes and goes and moves and goes and moves and goes. And so you can respond to a gift one time and then not have that gift two days later or a month later. Or Where is the gift of prophecy when I need it? <laughs> well, the Spirit didn't, you know, think to, to give it to you at that particular moment. You know, unfortunately, boo-hoo. So, um, but, but Ephesians 4.11 says that Jesus, when he, y'all see me take this ring off, and that is not good. I have this trouble with, with rings and little pieces of paper and eyeglasses. And I don't know which is worse. Either I lay it down and I never see it again or I put it in a safe place, which is almost as bad. <laughs> I put it in a safe place then I never see it again. <laughs> okay. We know that Jesus was an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, evangelist, and a teacher. He was all five. And so in Ephesians 4.11, when he got ready to go, oh, doesn't that sound good? (laughs) He got ready to go like we all want to go sometime uh, to be with the Father. And he, so he left those pieces of himself in the earth as the pastor, the prophet, the evangelist. And so, so those pieces of the government that is Jesus Christ, those pieces have been dispersed throughout the body of Christ in the form of people. Because it it says he gave some to be. He didn't say he gave these to men. It says he gave some to be. So he gives a a pastor and that, that, that person is the gift. So Pastor Doug is the quintessential pastor. I mean, no kidding. Y'all are so blessed. He, he, he is just the, he is the embodiment of the, of the pastoral gift of mercy and compassion, which I am here to tell you I do not have. <laughs> I just watch him and it's just, he just loves those dirty, stinky sheep. It's, it's amazing. And I just want to kill them or get them in shape or do whatever I have to do, you know, to, you know, to get them, get them going, you know, let's get them going, you know. And, and he's going, now we know that it's been bad and, you know. <laughs> and I, and I, you know, I've, I've learned, see, in immaturity, when you're moving into these offices, in immaturity, you just want to go, what is your problem, you know. And, and, of course, now I'm, I'm old, and so I realize, thank God for the pastors. Because, I mean, there wouldn't be any people left to pastor if it was up to the prophets. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, but the person is the, is, is the gift. I mean, the person is the office. So you may not even have a church, but if the Lord has, 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 has uh, graced you, Grace is a, is a divine endowment of power, a divine empowerment. So there is an apostolic grace for an, for an apostle to, to, uh, to work the work of an apostle. It's an, it's an apostolic grace that is, that is 
heart of Jesus Christ down in that person. So it's resident within the person. So, so the, a prophet is a prophet. A prophet doesn't have prophecy. A prophet doesn't have the ability. A, pro, a prophet doesn't have the gift now and then doesn't have it later. I mean, a prophet is a prophet, and, and a pastor is a pastor. I was, I was in my office one day, and I was explaining to the Lord about 15 years ago, I was explaining to the Lord all the many, 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 many reasons why I needed to leave the ministry. I had my, I had my, my feet popped up on the desk, and I just went on and on and on and on and on and on. And I, I was, you know, I got to the point where I realized that I was being tolerated. <laughs> and so, so eventually, eventually um, I kind of wound down, you know, from lack of interest on the other part of the person. And, and so I kind of, I kind of heard the Lord say, well, you know, um, are you finished? And I said, well, I guess so. And, and uh, he said, well, may I speak? <laughs> and I said, I'm not sure I want you to speak. And so I told you all last night, it's a miracle I haven't been struck by lightning many, many times. So, so anyway, he said, this is one time when he did speak in words, and it was one of the few times in my life where I've heard just straight words. And he said, ministry is not something you do. It's something you are. And I went, ooh. <laughs> so this is not just a coat I can take off and lay over like I laid my coat over on the chair. You know what I'm saying? So those of you who have not been in any classes um, that, that teach prophecy and prophetic and all of that sort of thing, just tuck some of these things that we say today or uh, Write them down, you know, and speak with Nicole or Cindy or someone that's that's uh, that's been a been a prophet for a long time, and let them begin to help bring some definition to you about the operation of the prophetic. The prophetic, uh, just make a few more general remarks. Uh, it can be extremely fabulous and exciting. I mean, because it's exciting. Number one, that the Lord does speak today. It's exciting that, it, that he does communicate with us today, that it's not all us begging and pleading on one side, but he does have, an, there is another person in the conversation. And that is wonderful. Uh, it's a little frustrating because it isn't very often like a conversation where, you know, I say something, he says something, I say something, he says something. I've discussed this with him many times. You know, I'd like to just, you know, couldn't we just sit down over a cup of coffee and talk? And, you know, you just talk back to me. And unfortunately, we're not really in that place yet in the body of Christ with the Lord where we can have, you know, back and forth conversations. If you sit down and have conversations with that like that, with the Lord, it could be that you're talking to somebody else. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so we do need to um, we do need to be cautious in our expectations uh, and seeking seeking a voice instead of a person is very dangerous. And so I want to encourage all of you who are called to the prophetic who do have the Lord speak through you and move through you, don't fall into the trap 
of, of seeking a voice instead of the person of Jesus Christ, instead of the person of the Ancient of Days, the Lord God Almighty. Because what we do is we let him direct the conversation. <laughs> so we seek him. He communicates in whatever way is pleasing to him. Because we are the submitted. We are the, we are the ones who, who, who submit our soul, our body, our mind, our will and emotions. We submit to him. And then his grace begins to communicate with his people. Is that clear? So for those of you that have not been, just I'm going to give you all just a little short window of time to ask any, any, any foundational questions. Anybody, anybody here that you've not been in a prophetic class, you've got any just beginning questions? Because we're going to do that today, so y'all just may as well get, gear, gear up your ask questions genes because that's, we're going to do that today a lot. Yes. Can you give a few examples of the different ways that God speaks to people? Um, I'll start with the check. You know, how many of y'all have, she said, uh, can you discuss just a few of the ways that people, that God speaks with people? Um, you know how some people say, I have a check about that? Y'all ever heard that phrase? I have a check about that. Well, I, I, I feel that in us, in our innermost being, you know, sometimes we're seeking the Lord about, should I do this? Should I do this? You know, or should I, should I go? And I, I'm feeling like I should go. And then we have what we call a check. It's like, it's like we have a traffic light right here. And it's green, yellow, or red. Now, my husband, you should hear our conversation about this. Because I've always taught this. For, for 30 years, I've taught this. Green is where you have just a faint release. It's a green. It's kind of a go. It's not go. The Lord never, ever, 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 ever says it like that. Not ever. It's just this gentle thing. Go. Or there's a, there's a, a yellow light. Which means, and this is why my husband makes fun of me, because I've always said a yellow light means you can go if you want to. And Richard says, no, no, a yellow light means caution, prepare to stop. <laughs> but but in, in, the, in the realm of the spirit, the yellow light, <laughs> the yellow light means, yeah, you could do that. You know, it's just kind of a, you know. Yeah, you could do that, which is really the way I look at a real yellow light. <laughs> oh, I could make it before the red light. <laughs> but but the check but the check is a red light. So it's just kind of a hmm. You know? Now you may not look at God communicating with you as that is God communicating with you, but it truly is. I mean that's God communicating with you. I mean, it's, it's, you know, should I, should I, should I eat this second piece of pie? Mm. <laughs> but even if it's something really serious, um, I, I give the example, you know, if I were about to get on an airplane that was going to crash, you know, 
and I'm walking up to check to, to the door of the airplane. The Lord would say, he would not say, no, no, don't get on that. Stop, stop. I mean, the Lord, he wouldn't do that. The Lord would say, yeah, let's don't get on that plane. You know, he'd just, just be kind of a little, oh, stop. Well, just a little gentle thing. Oh, let's go get a pizza instead. And you just go, oh, okay. I mean, the Lord is, 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 is not, uh, he's not an alarmist. You know, he's not, he's not, he's not going to speak to you and cause fear and alarm. And you can, this is a rule, no kidding. If you have a dream and you come out of it in great fear, that wasn't God. He moves by peace. He's never, ever, ever going to move you by fear, terror, intimidation, humiliation, none of that. He's not, it's not, that's not the voice of the Lord. This is all how to how to discern the voice of the Lord. So, so there's a slight, just a faint leading. It, you could have a word for someone that's going to change their life, but the Lord would just say, hmm. And so I just, I pick up on that and I go, hmm, okay. And then I go, okay. And still, no words. No words. I mean, I'm, there's no words in my brain, you know. And sometimes there's no words until you, you know, you touch them. You touch them and, and then you just say, you know, I mean, it just, it's, 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 it's simple. It's not, it's not a big hairy deal. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a simple thing. It's a, it's, it's just a faint, it's a faint leading. Um, we're going to, I'm, we're going to talk about dreams. The Lord does sometimes communicate with you in dreams it is rare and so we're going to talk about dreams because i believe that's a that's a that's a huge thing but when the lord wants to communicate with you uh normally he has much easier more direct ways than a dream or you know he does speak to you sometimes sometimes you'll just get a little picture in your in your in your heart but now it's kind of interesting the way he operates with me is that i don't ever get pictures from the Lord unless I'm about to prophesy to someone. I, I get pictures from the Lord, maybe if I'm, if the Lord's led me to someone and I'm about to pray for them and then I'll have a little, little bit of a vision or a little bit of a picture from the Lord. But every person is different. And the Lord, the Lord doesn't give you visions to like a carrot to a horse and then jerk it back. He doesn't give you visions just to tantalize you or to play a game with you or something. Generally, with normal people, <laughs> uh, prophets being abnormal, <laughs> generally with normal people, the Lord, the Lord is going to speak to you in, in, in this way. He's just going to speak to you in this little, in this little leading. Uh, there's a word for, for prophecy or that's not, I believe it's the knobby word. That, that just it means to just kind of bubble up, and it just means that the word inside of you, Jesus inside of you, the word or the Holy Spirit, the temple of the Holy Spirit, that word just it just kind of begins to bubble up. And so, if if the voice of the devil and the voice of your own mind have been trained to 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 be transformed into the 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 mind of the Lord, if you if you're working on that. 
then you will be aware of the gentle leadings of the Holy Spirit. If your opinions and your mind are so loud, then they'll be louder than the voice of the Lord. Does that make sense? Any, anything else you'd like to add? No? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Like I said, the Lord moves differently with different people. If he has a way of getting your attention, it's kind of like breaking through for you. It's a, it's a breaking you through this, this per, place where you are so that you can hear him. And I, I personally don't believe that it will always be that way. I, I, yeah, I believe, I believe that the Lord is using that in this season for you, for you to learn to, to to be open to his voice and then to and then also to teach you the difference between his voice and your voice. So good. Good. Okay. Can you explain the difference between open vision and closed vision? That's real simple. Open vision means your eyes are open and it's a natural it's through your natural eyes almost. Your 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 eyes are open but but, you're, but the, the scene that's before you that's true, I mean real, I shouldn't use the word true, that is right before you, like, like this room would disappear and I would see something else with my eyes open. A closed vision is, is, a, is a term for, for an inner vision. This is the way I've been taught. Is it, a, a closed vision is, a, is another term for an inner vision where... Where you know we just we're talking about that where you where you're you're you just see a picture um, and sometimes they're you know they're unusual pictures uh, but but that picture what I was discussing earlier this week is that um, when we have a vision the, the Lord the Lord needs to squeeze that vision until the words come out. In other words, squeeze the vision until the interpretation comes out. We can have visions for days and days and days and days, but it doesn't do us or anyone else any good if we don't, if we don't allow the Spirit to then bring the meaning of it out. And so um, many times I just said, you know, when I'm about to prophesy, I'll have a vision, but what the Lord does is He uses that vision as a springboard to bring the words to the person. And so, um, so if, you, if you are a seer, unquote, one who sees, the Hebrew word for prophet it means one who sees. And at, at one time, prophets and seers were synonymous. But as the, as the office developed, um, the, 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 there, were, there became times when there were prophets who were not seers, they were just 
speakers. They were, one, they were ones that the word of the Lord would come to them and they would deliver the word to the people. A prophet is one who comes to the people on behalf of God. They bring a message from God to the people. A priest is one who, who uh, it's the Hebrew word for priest is one who draws near. So a priest is one who draws near to the Lord on behalf of the people. So it, it, in the Old Testament, there was always this intermediary. You know, the prophet was an intermediary between the people and God, and the priest was an intermediary between the people and God. But when Jesus Christ came, he was the intermediary. So now we have Christ in us, and there's no need for an intermediary. So I have to tell you that prophecy is not God's best. Prophecy is not God's best. God's best is to meet face-to-face the way he met with Moses. God's best is for us, you know, to have such communion, get the tape from Thursday night. Was that Thursday night? Get the tape from Thursday night and begin to develop that inner relationship with the Lord, that inner flow, so that we go in and we don't have to have a middleman. A prophet is a middleman. And, you know, hey, I like middlemen. You know, when I'm feeling, you know, about as spiritual as the dust on the ground, I love for a prophet to come up and say, hey, you're really wonderful. I mean, you know, and God's pleased. <laughs> I mean, you know, we want to, <laughs> we like middlemen, you know. But, but, but God is growing us up and bringing us to the place where we don't depend on prophets. We don't depend on priests. Because we've, we, we, we are a nation of priests. We're in, 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 the, in, the, in the new covenant. We are a nation of priests. And so, so we, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We just need to learn that the throne of grace is not a, a million light years in the distance. The throne of grace is in us. The Bible says that the word is nigh you even in your mouth and in your heart. So... Good. Yes. One thing that really helped me um, when I was learning to discern whose voice was I was I hearing was that if it's the Lord, it's always loving and it never contradicts the word. Yeah, the 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 voice of the Lord never ever contradicts the word of God. Not ever. I mean, he can't <laughs> because he is the word. So. So when you, when you start hearing prophets, this is the other thing that's very important. When you start hearing prophets um, who are prophesying things that are kind of out on the fringe, you know, may, you know a little bit more ethereal than the, than the Word of God, it, it needs to always be verified and confirmed by the Word of God. That's one of the ways that you judge the prophets. And, the, and another way that you judge the prophets is that they should not be drawing attention to themselves. They should not be garnering, uh, you know, praise. And, you know, uh, many prophets, out of pride, they begin to use, uh, use the gift. And, they, and it, the gift is always God. The gift is God. You just have to discern, was it the gift? <laughs> but the gift is God. It's God. It's either the Holy Spirit or it's Jesus, the, one of the offices of Jesus. So the gift is God, but it's the people that have the problem. And unfortunately, it has to come out of human lips <laughs> and, and, and filtered by a human soul. 
So the soul stewards, so to speak, the gift. And that's where the trouble comes. If the, if the prophet is using the ministry of the prophetic to manipulate, to control, uh, quite often they do that. And the gift itself, the words that are the gift that come out may be the Lord, but the use of it or the addition of it to it, where, where more words are added to that than the actual gift is speaking. So you have a mixture. So when you hear, uh, you hear a, a, a prophetic word and, and some of it you recognize, oh, that's really the Lord, you know, then some of it may, that's just because some of it is the Lord doesn't mean all of it is. And so we learn to be wise as serpents. We learn to discern. We learn to obey the Bible. And we learn to test the spirits. And we learn to judge the prophecy. Okay? Good. All right. Would you guys like to talk about dreams? Okay. We're going to start with... You know, I'm going to just give you these scriptures because if you look at them, it'll take us longer. Um, three hours sounds like a lot until we get into it, and then it just flips by real quick. Joel 2, you know, we know this scripture. Um, it'll come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You shall prophesy dreams, you know, visions, etc. cetera. Uh, Numbers 12, 6, hear my words. If there be a prophet among you, I will make myself known to him in a dream. In a vision, I will speak to him. Now, this is the one that I want to... Job 33. Why don't you look this up? This is a scripture that's often used um, to talk about dreams and to validate that uh, if you're a prophet, you're going to have dreams and the Lord's going to speak to you in dreams. It's real interesting. This is an interesting concept. Um, Job 33, verse 14. Now, um, I want you to just kind of look at that whole chapter. 33, verse 14. So it's 14 that says, but God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. See, we're learning to hear when the Lord speaks. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. So, we've used this scripture, many people have used this scripture to validate that God speaks in dreams and it focuses on dreams. Well, if you go to verse 15, it says, one may hear God's voice in a dream, in a vision of the night. He opens it up. He withdraws man from his purpose. He holds man. Okay, then you go down to verse 19, and it says, God's voice may be heard by man when he is chastened with pain upon his bed and when he's sick, blah, blah. Then you go down, and verse 23, God's voice may be heard if there is a bearer of a message or an angel or an interpreter. So actually, this whole chapter is basically saying that God communicates with man. He communicates in a dream. He communicates when you're sick. He communicates when, you know. So it, this is not a whole chapter set up to, to emphasize the fact that God speaks in dreams. Does that make sense? Yes. Well... All I can say is, I'm terrified of God at times. 
<laughs> um, you know, sometimes the Lord does speak more harshly, but this is this is before the the cross, before grace came, before Jesus died for us as a mediator, before we have the Holy Spirit, you know, on the inside of us, and so the the Spirit of grace. I believe, has taken a lot of that harsh... Uh, Jeremiah basically has gotten born again. I mean, Jeremiah was go- going around telling everybody they were lying, dirty dogs, and they were going straight to hell. Contemporary translation. <laughs> and so he was known as the weeping prophet. And I mean, who wouldn't be a weeping prophet when that's all they ever got to say to people? You know, but the, but the... But the scripture, the New Testament scripture regarding prophecy says it's for edification, that's house building, exhortation, and comfort. Exhortation is encouragement, putting courage in. So terrifying them with, with, with uh, you know, warnings and that sort of thing um, might have been necessary back then. And he may, it may still be necessary in some cases today. But I believe that he, he tempers it with the grace that was brought into the world with Jesus Christ. So, all right. Now, we're going to talk about Joseph. Um, in Genesis 37, um, verse 4, the, the brethren saw that his father loved him more than his brethren, and they hated him. Now, you know, he was hated out the shoot. He was already hated. He was favored of the Father, so he was hated. Christians are like that. You know, they're just hated on general principles. <laughs> okay, so Genesis 37, 5. Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told his brethren, and they hated him all the more. I mean, ratcheted up the hate because he had a dream, and he told the dream. I've always wondered, you know, if, if he really was supposed to tell him the dream, or if telling them the dream was a part of the overall plan, because obviously it did get him thrown into the pit. Um, then, then verses 6 through 8, he says, oh, I've dreamed this dream, and he tells them about it, and they were bowing down to him and all this, and, I mean, that just makes them mad, mad, mad. So they hated him even more for his dreams. So this is just a sign that, you know, dreams were not all that much a sign of favor, so to speak. Genesis 37, 9 through 11, he had another dream. He told him. He told him what it was. Then even his father rebuked him for the dream. So we see the, the progression of what happens. Genesis 37, 18, uh, they saw him and they said they conspired to slay him. And they said, behold, this dreamer cometh. I mean, the sarcasm, just, uh this dreamer. That's, that's contempt. And bitter rancor because of the dreams. Um, so, telling the dreams brought hatred, rebuke, and murderous intent. And I also want to point out that there was, there was at least 20 years that elapsed between the time that he dreamed the dream and the time that the dream was fulfilled. So we need to remember that. Even on the rare times when we do have a dream that is from God, and we actually have it interpreted, it could be any kind of... God does not live in a time-space dimension, so he is not confined by time the way we are. 
And he doesn't think in terms of time sometimes the way we do because he's not bound by it. So he may give us a dream that is from him that does speak about our future, but we'll never, we, we might not ever know the actual time limit on the dream. So then we find that when, when all the stuff that happens to Joseph, he gets sold, he, he gets, you know, he gets, then he's in prison, all the stuff. Genesis 41, 12, he's now, what? An interpreter of dreams. Then he becomes, he, the dreamer, becomes an interpreter of dreams. But see, this is all God. It's all God. It's all his plan. And everything that you can see that happened to Joseph is not so much about the dream as it is about the purpose of God that he kind of revealed through the dream. Okay? So he interprets in 41.12, 41.15. He, he says um, he's, he's now talking to Pharaoh. He's, he's made it to the, to the resting place, which looks like a place of, of slavery. <laughs> uh, but he's, he's, he's reached the place that God was sending him, even though it is a place of, of slavery. So he says to uh, Pharaoh then calls. He's gotten a reputation now as an, as an interpreter of dreams. And um, he, but listen to this. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So anytime you have dreams, and they're, they're anytime you have dreams that are God, um, there is a necessary peace that must accompany it because any communication from God is going to be accompanied by peace because He is peace. I mean, he is peace. He is love. You can't separate him from peace and love. It's not that he has peace. It's that he is peace. It's not that he has love. It's that he is love. So any kind of communication through dreams or any other way is always going to be accompanied by peace. And even here in the Old Covenant, Joseph says he'll give Pharaoh an interpretation of peace. So anyway, the whole thing through through this this Joseph thing is that favor eventually came with maturity and wisdom. But what I want to talk to you about is that's an, that's an example of of where dreams did mark a, a major passage of God's deliverance for a nation. And he marked it by dreams. And you can see the thread of the dreams and the interpretation of dreams throughout. But in today's world, um, let's read this Ecclesiastes scripture. Um, 5-7, Ecclesiastes. For in the multitude of dreams and many words there is also vanity. (laughs) So... Ecclesiastes is kind of an interesting book anyway, but there is truth in that, that in the multitude of dreams, there's vanity. You can, you can become dependent upon your dreams. You can become in bondage to your dreams. If you, if you start looking to dreams, if you start looking to dreams to mark your path or to get wisdom from the Lord, there's a, I have a huge danger thing there. Dreams, dreams to me from God are like 
the icing on the cake. They're not the, they're not the major way that God communicates to you to direct your path. They're like a, they're like a, 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 you know, an occasional gift. But what I have seen throughout my, my uh, working with people in the prophetic is that if they have a dream that's from God and it was a powerful dream, then they become dependent on dreams. They become hyper-dreamers. So they, they start having more and more dreams. You, you, you don't get any sleep anymore. Because, you, you know, you, you're, you're afraid to go back to bed because, and, and without writing the dream down because you're sure it could have been God and you don't want to miss anything. And you're, you're dutiful to, to be sure that, you know. And so you get, your, your, your sleep gets broken up. You start having less rest. And you start, I mean, you know, because every dream is not from the Lord. You have dreams that are physiologically inspired. <laughs> You have dreams that are inspired by spicy foods. Uh, you have dreams that are inspired by hormones, by anxiety. I have anxiety dreams because I've always been that way. I'm a, I'm a person that's just sure I'm going to make the wrong move. I'm going to say the wrong thing. And, and so my dreams, I have all these dreams all my life. I've had these dreams where I'm about to, to have the lead in the opera, and I get on the stage and realize I've never, I've never looked at the score. You know, I've never looked at the music. Or I'm about to come up to the final test of chemistry class, and I realize that as I'm walking in, I realize I've never seen the book. You know, that kind of stuff. Well, those are anxiety dreams. They're, they're, they're dreams that come out of an inner anxiety. So many, many dreams are, are because of the problems that we have, the circumstances that we have. How many of you have dreamed about someone that you were talking about that day? Or, or dreamed about someone that, that you've had on your heart and so then you dream about them? Well, just because you're dreaming about them doesn't mean that the Lord is speaking to you about that person. Sometimes we get the cart before the horse. So just like anything else in the prophetic, we need to take it to the Lord, ask us to give us peace over our sleep, peace over our dreaming cycles, so that when the Lord does want to bring us a dream, it's a, it's a peaceful thing. We, 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 Lord, is this from you? And if we don't hear a yes, get your pad out, <laughs> then we can go back to sleep. You know what I'm saying? All right, so... Let's see. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I'm going to skip a bunch of this stuff. Um, There are dreams that can be troubling. And Daniel is a study the book of Daniel about dreams. Um, Daniel had an an interpretation, a gift of interpretation of dreams. He had word of knowledge, really, even before the... For the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, he had knowledge from the Lord, and he would speak that through the interpretation of the dreams. Um, there are oftentimes the kinds of dreams where the Lord, it's not a parable, and it's not an interpretation. I was um, uh, just, just baptized in the Spirit and just beginning to, because I was a musician, I was immediately put into music ministry, and I was just beginning to minister, and I woke up from a dream, but right before I awoke, the Lord, in my dream, I sat up in bed, 
And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you will be a repairer of the breach. And I didn't know what that was. I'd never heard of that scripture. And I, I, didn't, I didn't know what that was. I had to look it up in the Bible. So that was literally the Lord speaking to me in my dream. But that's once in my whole life that that has happened. Um, that may happen more often to other people, but I'm just telling you that, that, that those kinds of things generally tend to be um, rare. Now, let's just talk about attitudes toward dreams. Number one, are all dreams from God? No. There's God, the devil, and the flesh, just like we have it. Number two, all dreams from God should be interpreted now. No, they don't have to be, you know, interpreted right away. If the Lord doesn't give you the interpretation, but you're certain, you know, you feel really strongly that that was a dream from God, don't run out and ask the first person on the street, help me interpret this dream. Don't even go to people, because symbols, don't get a book on dreams that has a, a bunch of symbols in the back. <laughs> because, because what is one what means one thing to one person may mean the opposite to another person. A symbol in a dream is personal to the person. So, someone, for instance, maybe someone nearly drowned in a, in, a, in a river. So to them, a river is frightening. It's, it's, a, it's about, so the Lord isn't going to give someone that, that dream about the river to that person to be interpreted where someone else says the river is Joy, you know, or the river is light. You know what I'm saying? So what one person thinks is, is one symbol, it, it's going to be different. In, it's going to be a personal symbol. So be very careful. Also, if you're a prophet or a very prophetic person and people call you about their dreams, um, just be really cautious and let the Lord lead you. Just, you know, don't. Just because you're prophetic doesn't mean that you have an obligation to interpret this person's dream, nor does it mean that you have the gift. And so just say, I don't know. How hard is that? <laughs> say, I don't know. You know, if, if they are certain that it's something that the Lord gave them, then they need to write it down, they need to date it, and they need to pray over it. I have dreams that I had that I was certain were from the Lord 25 years ago that I still, I've had these three, I had, a, I had a season of prophetic dreams of about three or four months. It was really interesting. And I had, in this season of prophetic dreams, I had about maybe four or five prophetic dreams that I knew were from the Lord in a, in a period of about four months. And I wrote them down and I dated them. And two of them have come to pass and I know what they meant. One of them has not, and I still don't know what it means. See what I mean? All right. Number three, I'm a dummy if I can't interpret my dreams. <laughs> no, obviously not. But, but like I said, don't, don't lose your peace and be troubled over trying to figure out what this dream means. Because it, it's too many dreams and too much uh, focus on dreams can be... Uh, really out of balance, and it can it can be distracting from from what else. Okay, <clears throat> so we talked about that. All dreams are not symbolic. All dreams are symbolic. No, all dreams are literal. No, um, 
Dreams do bypass the mind. And this is good. Because that's what prophecy does. And that's what the prophet does when the prophet is prophesying, is they are bypassing the mind. Um, so we be cautious about dreams. We don't rely on dreams for, for, uh, for guidance. Um, don't allow confusion, fear, frustration, any of that to come because of dreams. Um, all right, we've said all that. We've said all that. We've said all that. So the type, there are three main types of dreams that are, when they are a God dream, there's three different types. Number one, sometimes you have a dream that is just a time of, it's an, it's an intercession-provoking dream. So you may have a dream about someone that's negative. So you just begin to pray over that dream and begin to pray over that person. Sometimes the Lord is just provoking prayer through allowing you to have a dream about a situation or a person. So if you, if you have a negative dream about someone, it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to happen to them or that they're involved in anything like that, but it's, it's, a, it's an intercession-provoking dream. Number two, sometimes dreams are our spirit crying out to God. It's an interesting thing. So dreams are not always just what they seem to be. You know, sometimes they have a, 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 another purpose in God. And number three, then, of course, sometimes dreams are God speaking to our spirit. So write your, write your dreams down and, and date them and then forget about them unless the Lord quickens to you that it's time to do something about it. All right. Don't ask a question and tell me a big, long dream. But are there any questions? <laughs> okay, well, tell it to Nicole. <laughs> okay, anybody have anything about dreams before we go on? Yes. As, as a prophetic dreamer, He's, the question is, do you think someone can be gifted as a prophetic dreamer? Um, I know that many people are seers. They're, I wouldn't even use the word seer. They are visually oriented. And they see lots and lots and lots of things. Um, it has not been my experience to see that. I know that according to the scripture, there are... There are prophetic dreams, but I don't see in the scripture where someone is in, in lieu of a prophet, they're, a, they're a, a, someone who is gifted at dreams. Joseph is known as a dreamer just because he had those dreams, but his whole life wasn't about dreams. See what I'm saying? Um, it is, there, there is scriptural precedence of interpret, interpreting dreams, the gift of interpreting dreams. Um, I think there's danger in too much emphasis on dreams. I'll just tell you. I, I, I think there's danger in too much emphasis on it. Because, because so much uh, goes into a, a person's uh, unconscious and their mind and, and their, you know, their whole makeup when they're, when they're asleep. Okay, anybody else?
Well, the dream is from your point of view. The dream is from your point of view, not his point of view. So you're not going to, you know, when, when, he, when he spoke to me in the dream, you'll be a repair of the breach. I mean, we didn't have a conversation, <laughs> you know. So, so conversation with the Lord is more of a prayer type situation. But, but oftentimes I've had dreams where I was seeking God for something and crying out to God, and then I would dream in that same uh, spirit of, 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 of seeking and reaching because my spirit, my, my spirit wasn't asleep. My body and, and my soul were asleep, but my spirit was still reaching out to God. Is that clarifying? Okay. Anybody else? All right, let's move on. I want to talk a lot about um, pastoring the prophetic, about uh, coming to, to new levels in the prophetic, and throughout this we'll have a give and take. Questions, uh, you guys just you know, jot something down, you want to talk about it. Um, I want to talk about when you're, when you're, when you're dealing with mixtures of giftings, pastors, uh, leaders, other, other uh, five-fold leaders in the church. I want to talk about uh, moving the church into uh, a prophetic-type church. We, I believe this is, this is going to be a prophetic church. You have many uh, prophetic people, strong prophetic giftings in this church. And so how do we, how do we administrate this? How do we uh, help this to work without train wrecks on every corner. <laughs> so, first you have pastors. And pastors are rarely prophets. If you have a pastor who's a prophet, it, it can have its own set of, of, of challenges. But generally, a pastor, it takes all of their grace from the Lord for that pastoral thing. So, pastors are not always prophets actually kind of rarely prophets, but what the church needs, desperately needs, are wise and mature pastors and teachers who can lead and nurture and administrate prophetic people. Because when you begin to move into revival and the Spirit of the Lord begins to get really, really thick and strong and heavy upon the people, then the prophets are going to be are going to be activated. The spirit of prophecy is going to be very strong. And so there's going to be a need for wise administration and wise leaders in, in this kind of a downpour. Now, what can hinder the flow of power and revelation in the local church body? Number one, rejected, pushy, flaky, prophetic people. <laughs> Rejected, pushy, flaky, prophetic people. What can hinder the flow of power and revelation in the local church body? Now, when, when, the, when the prophetic is immature, when, where anything is immature or just born, there's going to be poo-poo. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it just is. And so, so many pastors and leaders squash the prophetic and squash 
the, the budding flow of the gifts of the Spirit because of that poo-poo, because of that immaturity, because of the mistakes. But if, if, if we don't allow them to make mistakes, then, then that, that's one side. If we don't allow them to make mistakes, then they're not ever going to grow. On the other side is if they don't allow correction, if they don't understand that correction is not rejection, then they're never going to grow. So that's two strikes against them right there. They've got to receive correction. They've got to understand that this is a part of growing up. I mean, if, if your child does, isn't told not to touch the hot stove, there's going to be lots of blistered fingers. And so just sheer growing up of, of immaturity requires correction. But it's got to be correction with love and correction with instruction. Otherwise, you're going to have immature prophetic people who are going to be flaky, 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 flaky. Now, I have a whole sermon on flakiness that we could do. Um, but the Lord, the, Lord, the Lord talked to me about flakiness. He said it's like the, it's like the, it's like the, the paint on, a, on the side of a weathered building and that, that, that the flakes begin to, to, to uh, come up from the solid structure. And the more it comes up, the more the wind can blow under it until it finally separates completely and is just out there floating around until it lands in some alley somewhere. <laughs> now, that's an example of a flaky, a flaky person who isn't adhered to the, the, the structure that God has set in place, the leadership that God has set in place, and the building that God is currently building, rooted and grounded on the foundation of the Word of God. So they begin to separate a little bit. And that can't happen. Prophetic people have to be adhered and, and, and uni- in unity with the local leadership so that there can be grounding in the Word and there can be solid maturity. There can be character that matches the gift. You can't allow someone that has a spectacular gift. You don't just put them directly in leadership because of their spectacular gift because they'll, they'll just fly off somewhere. Also, rejected prophetic people get pushy because if they're rejected and their, and their gift is rejected, so you, you got this problem too. You got prophetic people out there that are genuinely gifted prophetically, but if, if they're rejected and not, not nurtured in the, in, the, in the proper way, then they're going to get real pushy and aggressive because they're gonna, they're, their reaction is going to be, I've got a gift and, and I'm going to, you know. And so, so that, that pushy, immature, prophetic, flaky person can, can literally stop the flow of the, of the progression of the power and the anointing and the revival thing, but it's not always their fault, is my point. It's, 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 the, it's both sides. The leadership has got to be mature enough to know how to, to nurture them. Okay? So that's number one. Number two, lack of diversified team ministry. Um, when only the prophet is the team of the ministry of the church, you've got imbalance. 
when only the pastor is in charge with that love and that mercy ministry, but there's not the, the apostle, the evangelist. The, it, takes, it takes all. Jesus was all five. And so it takes all five to rightly round out. Now, I'm not saying you should all get together and vote every time a decision. That's not, that's not the point. The point is, is the, the grace that is, is so interesting. Um, in my home church in, in Magnolia, it's one of the few churches I've ever seen that does have an evangelist that is, is, is in leadership. He's not actually in the local church leadership. But he's a part of the church, and so they bring him in and allow him to, you know, talk in the service or, or maybe take a service or whatever. And, you know, there's nobody like an evangelist. It's just like there's nobody like a prophet. But, but you know, back in the days of growing up in the Baptist church, we knew all about evangelists because all the ministers were called evangelists. Oh, the evangelist is in town. <laughs> but, but. But now in the charismatic arena, we don't see as much of that. The evangelists are all over in, you know, Africa having huge rallies where we think of Reinhardt Bonnke. We think of, you know, we think of people that are, but, but, but there's a, there's a release of evangelistic grace that comes when you put that mix into the leadership or at least the upper visible leadership of the local church that's powerful. So when you diversify the team ministry, then you have all the graces, the power of the character of the ministry of Jesus Christ in operation. So you have a full, rounded viewpoint. Questions or comments? All right. Number three, striving Insecure pastors. Many churches have pastors that are threatened because they're insecure. So they're threatened by strong, other strong ministries. Well, it's a given that they're not going to embrace prophets. <laughs> They'd be really, really threatened. And this happens. You see this. You see this in many, many, many local churches where the pastor is from that old paradigm of I've got to be the, the head administrator, I've got to make all the decisions, I've got to be the one that does everything. And, and then they don't, they, don't, they don't bring in the other gifts in the fivefold. They don't bring in the other, uh, you know, the other graces, the apostolic grace, the, the evangelistic grace. They don't bring those in because they're insecure. And so really what, that's a, that's a duh, that's a no duh thing there. I mean, if, if, if they're, if the leader is insecure and wants to be the only voice, then you're, sh- you're shutting down, you know, the growth and the expansion of the church spiritually. Now, you know, you might have a mega church with, with, and a lot of mega churches are like that. But those three things. All right. Number four. Jealousy of other giftings and either the spirit of inferiority or the spirit of superiority. That kind of goes along with number three. There just can't be jealousy and competition and comparison in the leadership of the churches. There can't be that. You can't. We're all different. We all have different graces. And so with the prophetic You've got, you've got a, 
you've got a, a highly visible, generally, thing. And so you can't, you can't, uh, you know, the teaching gift is not as flashy and it's not as, it's not as, sometimes not as visible and it's not as exciting maybe. I mean, they don't, they don't have all the, you know, the bells and whistles. And so, so people sometimes gravitate toward the prophetic. But the teaching gift is the foundation of the church. I mean, you know, if you don't teach the people the Word of God, you know, they're going to they're gonna all be flaky, prophetic people. <laughs> you know, so that's another example. So, so there can't be inferiority. Inferiority, the spirit of inferiority is just as bad as the spirit of superiority. Just as bad. Because they're both destructive. So... We learn to assess our own callings and strengths and weaknesses within and accurately accept the boundaries of that gift. It's a rare person who can accept the boundaries. I tell you, I, don't, I usually don't mention, um, mention names of people. I'm just kind of against it. But I have an incredible respect for Mike Bickle because Mike Bickle has, has recognized the, he has recognized the boundaries of what God has called him to do, and he has stayed in it. There, he won't even travel much. I mean, I know from I know people who are working there. He won't even travel much. He and what a work he's doing. And that's an exa- he's a perfect example of of how we 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 understand who we are and we understand who we are not, and then we don't try to do it all. Very important. Very, very important. Now, um, when you begin to allow the prophetic to operate and the gifts of the Spirit to operate in the church, you must be, you must be cautious as leaders not to allow the prophetic to control the services or manipulate the services or cause the services to go one way or another uh, because of that. So, Every church has its own set of, you know, boundaries. Uh, some churches, our church in, in Texas, we keep a microphone down here, but the microphone is monitored by either the pastor or one of the elders. And so if someone has a gift or has a word or an exhortation, then they come to the designated person in the church and they tell them in their ear, and so then, then the person that's in charge can say, that window passed 30 minutes ago, <laughs> or, or it's not yet, let's wait and see if there's a moment that the Lord will fit that in, or I don't believe that's for this service, uh, why don't you write that down and bring it to us, or whatever. But prophetic gifting can make or break what God is in the middle of doing, Yes. Because we do that here, would you please help explain that when we when we're given as pastors and leaders, we're given the responsibility for the service. That when we judge that and we say not now or later, just the whole rejection part of that. Okay, um, when when you're in a corporate setting and the spirit of the Lord is moving now. The Lord isn't nervous, and he doesn't get, you know, discombobulated if something happens out of order. But the people do. 
And the people, the people can have their attention, uh, and the, the Lord is, is moving in this direction and moving in this way. And, and uh, there's a flow that the Lord has established. And someone comes with a, a true word. It can be a true word from the Lord, but it doesn't fit in that flow. The leaders have, have to see the whole picture. And sometimes we, as, as prophetic people, we get it, we wait too long, or we make a mistake and think it should have been, it should go now, but the person, the leader, has to assess the overall flow of the service. And so, what we need to understand is that God is always speaking, particularly when we're asking Him to speak, and you're moving in a service. And at that moment, ten different people could prophesy. It's not that you have been given one word that is absolutely necessary to be given to the people or they're going to die. You know what I'm saying? It's that we're all sitting here and, and everybody that came to this thing is probably at least somewhat prophetic, and we're all sitting here, and there's a prophet speaking and teaching, so the spirit of prophecy is already thick in here. And every one of us could probably have something stirring in our heart right this minute. But it's not time for you to speak because I'm speaking. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I got the power. <laughs> no, you understand what I'm saying. So... It's the pride of the, of, the, of the people that get offended. It's pride that gets offended. Humility doesn't get offended. Dead people don't get offended. And so we got to all be dead. Let me give you, I got a perfect example. I was in, the last time I was in church, two weeks ago, I've been out of town all, week, all month, and I'm going to be out of town the rest of the month after I leave here. Um, but the last time I was in church... We were singing, uh, the worship team was singing this song, and the Lord gave me a song, a little mini song, uh, apart from that, which I'm a musician, so when I get a different song when they're singing another song, that's a miracle right there. And so <laughs> I had this little song, and the Lord gave me a real deep exhortation for the people. And, I, and generally, when I have that kind of exhortation, it's directional. So when I give that, then it leads into healing in that area, and I pray for the people to heal. You know. So it, it was the Lord, and I knew it was the Lord. And so I went up, and I have a real good relationship with my pastor, and we, we have a lot of honor one for the other. And, and I went up to him, and I just whispered in his ear, said, I've got a word, you know. Um, and I gave him a little mini synopsis of the word. And he nodded his head. Well, some other person had come up right before I came up. And, and told him that she had something. And so my pastor, when the song finished, my, my word was to flow out of that song. But the woman had already come up. And so he had the woman come up, and she had a scripture, and she read the scripture, and the service just shifted. And so then he came to me, and I said, nah, the moment passed. So there's another prophet in the church who's a, she's a, actually a, an incredible physician in, in uh, 
MD Anderson there in Houston. And, um, but she is a prophet. And I was sitting on the island. She came by me and she said, so you have a word? And I said, yes, I do. And she said, well, and I said, the moment passed. So afterward, I had to spend this whole thing telling, explaining to her why I had a word that I knew was God and it was the Lord, but the moment passed. And if I had insisted on giving the word, it would have demoted the anointing that had been originally on the word to just one more thing he had to accomplish in the service. And so we had a, we had a fall festival afterward, and so we were eating, and, and some lady I'd never seen before said, I have so much respect for you that you didn't give the word even though you had one, and we just all have to learn. And I don't think she even knows I'm a minister. But she said, we just have to learn that there's a moment, and then when that moment, you know, so some people are going to understand and some people are not. But we have to mature to the point that we understand that giving the word that we have is not going to uh, save the nation or break the, you know, or, 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 you know what I'm saying? It's, it, we're not the only ones God is speaking to. And if he doesn't accomplish it through our word that we have that moment, he'll accomplish it in another way, through another person, through the pastor, hello, who's about to have the microphone for 45 minutes and speak. You know, I'm not the one that has to do that. Do you see? Okay. (laughs) All right. Any questions about that? Comments? Pastor Doug? Take a break? Okay. You guys need a break? Uh, Yeah. Sure. I'm flexible. (laughs) This is a four-minute break. Four minutes. Don't go down the street.